Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Podcast from the future. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome uh, to the podcast. Welcome back for those who listen faithfully every week or every 10 days now. (laughs) So horrible. We're kind of a, we really are bad. We're sorry, but last summer... Last summer we we didn't do any for three months. We are way better than you and Father Mike were. Let's be so, honest. Let's be honest in so many ways. When Father <laughs> when Father Mike got ordained, I thought the podcast was dead forever. So but did we. When you got ordained, it's just fatally or you know seriously wounded. So well, yeah, there you go. It's like uh, total depravity last summer and just, just right. deeply fatally wounded. Yeah, exactly. Like Father Mike is kind of the paradigm of how protestants see the soul like just totally depraved <laughs> and we're just the wounded human nature of catholic thought you know you got some issues with father mike you take it out not in the podcast all right he's what are you in, talking about father mike's in spain right now oh you're saying i take it out on the podcast but i shouldn't take it out on yes. the podcast yes i like father mike he's we're buddies man he's so he's walking on the camino de santiago Is he right really? now. yeah so the, cam- the the camino which means the way of St. James, Santiago, is the hike across northern Spain, pilgrimage to Santiago de Compostela, where St. James is buried. Which and would so, also be a sweet podcast. Which would be a sweet podcast, which we should hook him into, because he'll be back, and he'll have some cool things to say about it. So, I, wonder, I wonder how many things we talk about being a cool podcast, but we'll probably never do. This one I think we'll do, though. I hope so. The time, Denver time right now, is 11.10. Yeah. <laughs> this is the latest we've ever done a podcast, and the reason it's so late is because... Uh, I was poning some noobs in Settlers of Catan this evening. <laughs> what does that even mean? You don't you don't know? Oh, man, you don't play video games. My brother always Not talks anymore. about that. The younger people, I was owning some people. I was just destroying them. And I thought the, you said you lost. No, I won. Okay. I, I was whooping them. And, did you uh, get as, you say you didn't get angry like you did when Oh, I, I got you. real angry. And I told them in advance. I said, if we play this game, I'm going to get real pissed off, and it's going to look real bad because I'm a priest. And they, they're a bunch of college kids, and they were like, that'd be awesome. So we did, <laughs> and everyone was kind of crying by the end of the game. And I was joking. They weren't crying. They were laughing. Was anyone crying? One guy was because he was the reason we're doing this at 11, 10 instead of nine thirty because his whole purpose in life was to not let me win. You know, you know, these guys, my brother, Oh does wow. That sounds familiar. Let me think. Oh yes. You, that <laughs> <laughs> your whole purpose. No, life. my brother, come on. I mean, you should probably talk about something of substance. What like, are we? Oh yeah. Let's talk about, let's talk about what we're talking about. This is with a note of sadness yeah. more than just a note. Heaviness. We, yeah. This is real. This is a heaviness that we carry because on Monday, well, Friday, we got word of a possible change that our bishop was going to be transferred. Yeah, freaking John Monday. Lennendorker, whatever his name is. <laughs> What's that guy's name? Lindecker. I'm at, okay, so John's, this is this is another reason why the podcast is, <laughs> has been um, dying this past couple of weeks is because John's sister just got married. Mm. And so that's kind of taken precedence over a lot of other things. Um, but anyway, at the rehearsal dinner, I was sitting next to this guy I'd never met before. <laughs> Who says, yeah, you hear about the news about Shapu? I was like, what news? He's like, oh, he's going to Philly. I'm like, what? Shapu, for those who are, don't know what we're talking about, uh, Archbishop Charles Shapu is... Our, arch, our very beloved he's Archbishop. He's been the Archbishop of Denver for the last 12 Fif- years? 15 years. 15 years? Since 96. Oh. But anyway, he's he's really John and I's spiritual father. Yeah, totally. Uh, our, our bishop. And uh, so he, this guy says, oh, you know, Shapu, your bishop's getting moved to Philly. 
I'm like, no way, whatever, man. It's just rumors. He's like, no, these are for real. Because every time there's a big opening from a, at a big city, there's talk that Chappie is going to get moved. Exactly. And he never does. So I'm like, whatever. whatever. That's just rumors. There's always rumors. He just says, no, man. This, I, I met the guy. This is the first thing he says to me. So I immediately <laughs> didn't like him. But uh, he texted. What did he text you <laughs> about to to say to me? Uh, I forget what he said exactly, but he's like, "Tell Doman." I said, "What's up?" <laughs> and you texted back, "You got lucky." Yeah. He did get lucky, but it's true. Archbishop Charles Shepu has been named the Archbishop of Philadelphia. He's the ninth Archbishop, and uh, we are going to talk a little bit about the process of transferring a bishop, but also the process of nominating. How do you even elect a bishop? How does this all work? It's a very interesting complicated process and we've learned more about it in the last couple days just hearing these press conferences so as of right now denver does not have a bishop we are bishopless we have an administrator this bishop who is he's he so archbishop shappy will be the administrator of our diocese which means he'll oversee it administrators you can't really do anything you just kind of keep it moving until september 8th where he's installed as the archbishop of philadelphia and eventually he'll be made a cardinal, which is just a, a title, mm-hmm. uh, kind of an honor. He'll elect the next pope, though. That's crazy. That is pretty crazy. Cardinal Chapu. So, but that's that's down the road at the next consistory in Rome. So that'll be the next couple of years. But he's right now he's Archbishop designate of Philadelphia. On September eighth, he'll become the Archbishop of Chapu, and on the eighth, Denver will no longer have a bishop. No bishop around. No bishop. What canon law says? This is very interesting. Okay, so. Uh, an Episcopal see is vacant upon the death of a diocesan bishop, resignation accepted by the Roman Pontiff, transfer, i.e. Denver. That's what happened to Or us. privation made known. So we got a transfer. So we are a vacant see. Now, why does this matter is the first question. Yeah. Because it just seems like, oh, that's great. You know, we got a new CEO or something like that. But it's not a corporation. We got to get out of that mentality. All of the sacramental authority, all of the spiritual authority comes from this one man in Denver, in this northern third of Colorado. Because he is the successor of the apostles. He's a successor of the apostles. And he's got this really cool thing in his office. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it goes back. Every bishop. No, I've I seen Conley's. It goes back, I think, to the about the 11th century. It doesn't go back all the way to the apostles. But just on this one piece of paper, it shows the names back wow. 900 years. So of these, every guy who's ordained, like the, the chain of succession. Exactly. But the apostolic succession is, is the source of the authority by which to teach and to sanctify and to govern. Yeah. So everything, every sacrament. See, as a priest, I'm not just cruising around doing sacramental stuff. Like, oh, I think I'll just make the Eucharist here. I'm like, everything is, is I'm participating in the authority and the power of the bishop. You're the, kind of like locked in and engaged to this sort, this font. Totally. Actually, really cool thing. Uh, hierarchy. We talk about the hierarchy of the church, hierarchical or whatever. Um, the etymology of that, the Greek. Hieros Arche. Hieros Arche. Hieros is the, the Greek word for holy or priest. Priest. And Arche is the Greek word for ruler, but also the Greek word for font. Yeah, that's cool. Isn't that cool? And Hieros, that's the Greek word for priest, but uh, it's also, it's, it's it's wrapped up. There's, there's a sense of uh, the temple was called the... Hieros. Yeah, Hieros. And the... Uh, it, there's a drop up with it and the meaning for holiness. So in some Ooh. ways, it's like the font of holiness, yeah. which is the which is really what the hierarchy is. I mean, the macro picture here right. is that we have Christ bestowing the Holy Spirit and the authority to 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 bind and to loose and everything to the apostles who bestowed that same authority to their successors, all the way down to Archbishop Chapu, who lets you lock into that same font of the holy. And the, the priestly things. Ooh, what a good spiritual awesome? spiritual nugget 
you just gave us. You know, it's funny. My it's like, bro- I'm going to tell you a funny story. My brother was on a train, and he was talking to this American family, and he had all this candy. And he asked the parents, he goes, do you mind if I give your son some candy? Which is kind of a creeper thing to do anyways. Excuse candy. But the kid never got candy. He like never got it. So he put it in his mouth and he just goes, mm, so good. And that's kind of what just happened in my intellect as you said that high roast art case. I was like, mm, so good. That's right. so that kid was really funny. Back to the topic at hand. <laughs> The uh, so it, he is the fullness of the priesthood. Only the bishop, and I I participate in his priesthood, which is actually the priesthood of Christ. But Christ puts that into the apostles and they into the successors, the bishops. So they are the font of the priesthood, the font of all things that are holy. The whole sanctifying work, everything hinges on the bishop. So when the bishop leaves, it's kind of a big deal. Yes, you yeah, have a question? Ha- you, a question. Put your hand up, teacher. Uh, <laughs> I, I, that's the only way to get you to stop talking. Oh. Um, <laughs> What? So what do yeah, we hold do? Hold on. First, you're ripping on Father Mike, <laughs> then on me. Anybody else you want to make fun of Archbishop? Well, you? Now that we're at it, uh, no, Archbishop actually, the, the watching the press conferences uh, of him in Philadelphia, in Denver. If you want to check him out, just go to archden.org. Uh, they have videos up there. But it was just another example of why this man is just such. He's like a hero to me. He really oh, yeah. is. I just he's such a great witness of just holiness and leadership. Uh, but just also just a Christian who really loves the people who is entrusted in him and loves Christ. And it's awesome. But um, my question, you said we're without a bishop for the mm-hmm. next, you know, until we get a new one, which will probably be six to eight months. Um, so what? how does the sacramental life, are we plugged up for a little bit? Are we sacramentally constipated? Ah, uh, uh, yes. Good question, Joseph. Okay, Canon 418 here, my friend. Oh, here we go. Upon certain notice of transfer, a bishop must claim the diocese to which he has been transferred, i.e. Chaput to Philadelphia. He claims Philadelphia. And take canonical possession of it within two months. He'll do that on September 8th, within two months. On the day that he takes possession of the new diocese, however, the diocese from which he has been transferred is vacant. Okay, upon certain notice of transfer to the new diocese the transferred bishop okay this is the problem with law i'm getting lost here <laughs> that wasn't what i was looking Good for ah here we go here we go, here we go. okay so there's this group called the college of consultors now the college of consultors are kind of the body of priests that hold together the diocese by electing a new administrator so archbishop Chapu or archbishop designate of philadelphia will become the Archbishop of Philadelphia on September 8th and will cease to be the administrator. So the administrator is the source of the, the kind of the, the spiritual authority, so to speak, ah. for that time. He still is the kind of the source. Because everyone has faculties. It's not like it's magic and it's like it just disappears when Archbishop leaves. He is, he still is the source, but he okay, gives he that authority. Source, but he's not that bishop. He's not the overseer. He's not, like, making changes and decisions. So I have faculties, mm-hmm. right? I have what are called faculties, which means I have the I can say mass, I can hear confessions, I can, I can do these different things. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't just end when the bishop leaves. That continues, and, but the administrator oversees that. The administrator is not going to give new faculties. He's not going to make new things. He can't really do that. He's just going to oversee. Um, and that's going to be really, really important. Um, because you have to have that kind of governance. So I guess uh, to make it short, the administrator is just governance. He just governs over it. Cool. And the sacramental side stays the same. On September 8th, the College of Consultors in Denver, Colorado, a group of priests that Archbishop has selected uh, back in the past, will meet together. They have eight days to elect what's called a new um, administrator of the diocese. And that guy will will be in place for probably six to eight months while Rome 
does all the research, and you actually did a little study on this. Archbishop will actually prepare a report. Like, what's going on yeah, in those so six to eight months? No, I was checking this out. Um, I was just curious about it, how it works. You know, how does this whole process of getting a new bishop works? Um, and, yeah, so over the next, probably between the time, uh, between now and September 8th, when he officially goes to Philadelphia and moves there, he will be preparing a report for the Apostolic Nuncio, uh, you should probably explain what that Yes. Is. Okay. So the apostolic... Well, why don't you explain it? Okay. I think I will. Thank All you. right. Fine. Thank why you. don't I explain what the apostolic nuncio is? Oh, good. A nuncio <laughs> is, a, is the Pope's a, a kind of official representation mm-hmm. in a diocese, in a country. So we have a nuncio for the United States, for all... And he essentially over, is the delegate from Rome who oversees the church in the United States. So each bishop is responsible for his territory. But this is the collaboration with right. Rome. Right, so he's kind of our liaison with the Vatican, not just for the bishops and the church in America, but also for the government. Exactly. He's so kind yeah. of the diplomat on a, on a civil level. Right. And the, I don't know what you'd say, he's the apostolic nuncio, the liaison on a, a hierarchical level. Right, and and he's part of what's called the Vatican Diplomatic Corps, which is the oldest diplomatic corps and the most prestigious in the world. It goes back to like the second, third century. They used to be called papal legates, where the Pope would, would send these men. So, yeah, the, the nuncio has a key role. Archbishop Pietro mm. Sambi is his name. Very, very key role. He's, he's kind of the leader of the church in America. Right, and he'll be working with Chaput to anyway, do... Yeah, exactly. So Chaput will repair, prepare a report for him, and the report will consist of two things. It'll The first part is the state of the diocese and the major needs of the diocese. So, you know, their whole goal is to find a, a new bishop, and so to find somebody who's fitting for this place, they want to find out what the issues are, you know, so they can find somebody who fits that, I guess, you know, to make it pretty mundane, a job description, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so he's going to prepare a report of the major issues. And then also this other part of it, which would be just from himself, give his recommendation of some candidates who he thinks would be uh, fitting candidates for this with his own single recommendation. Now, here's my question for you, Jim. Yes. Sorry, Jim is his nickname. And it's but, also his nickname. <laughs> That's another story. Jim, do you find yourself to be a fitting candidate to be Archbishop Shepu's replacement as Bishop of Denver? I do not, John, and I know why, because you told me earlier today. Well, I think you are, but let's just see if you fit the requirements okay. for a bishop, because this is what you have to be to be a bishop. All right, let me know. What do I? If I want to be a bishop, what do I got? Canon 378. In regard to the suitability of a candidate for the episcopacy to be a bishop, it is required that he, number one, Be outstanding in solid faith, good morals, piety, zeal for souls, wisdom, prudence, human virtues, and endowed with other qualities, which make him suitable to fulfill the other office in question. And that would disqualify (laughs) I like how it says other qualities. Like, what other qualities? Like, he likes to cook or something? It's just, like, so funny. Racquetball, I think it's... Oh, Archbishop. I used to play racquetball with Archbishop when I was in high school. That's good. Number two, of good reputation. I'm out. (laughs) At least 35 years old, we're both, both out. out. Ordained to the presbyter at least five years, that means both of us are out. So you have to be a priest in possession of a doctorate or at least a licentiate, which is like a graduate degree in the church's uh, ecclesiastical structure, in sacred scripture, theology, or canon law from an institute of higher studies approved by the apostolic see, or at least truly ep- expert in those same disciplines. Maybe we could be justified by Catholic stuff. You know? we are <laughs> We're ex- clearly experts. We are experts in the most mundane and random things. We can speak intelligently for seven minutes on 
the most bizarre of Catholic topics. Or at least intelligent enough to fool some people. So I don't think we qualify. I don't think we're suitable candidates for the for the episcopacy. That's right, John. But not that's yet. Something to be something to strive for. <laughs> I guess at least to be qualified. Maybe not to actually be. I was thinking. I'm like, I'd be. I would not want his job. Oh my gosh! It's kind of it's kind of intimidating, but he's not scared. That was one of the questions at the press conference. The lady stands stands up and says, "Aren't you? Are you intimidated? Are you scared?" He's like, "No." And he just he just trusts in the in the goodness of of God and he's such a trust in the church's judgment. And he was you, just so. And you could tell. It's not like he's just saying that. You can tell the guy exudes confidence. Oh man, he does. I just love him. Anyway, tell, tell us about the difference between the diocese in Denver to the diocese of Philly, where he's going, because you're from Philadelphia. And you're studying to be a priest in Denver, so you're kind of going the opposite way as he is. But what's what's what is he coming from? Well, that's a good question. I want to let's finish going through this thing real quick, okay. just the process, because otherwise we're going to get lost. Look but at I, you keeping I, us on task. I know, I know. Um, you want to go to bed? That's why. <laughs> I I think that's important though, because I think there's there's definitely differences there. I, I from my limited perspective. Okay, but, so what were we talking about? So anyway, he prepares Bishop Shapu, Archbishop will prepare a report for the Apostolic Nuncio. Ah, uh, good. Yes, and this is just the the run through. Apostolic Nuncio then takes it and kind of does his own research with his own people and will narrow it down to a list of three candidates who are bishops, who he thinks would be. He gives three candidates, which is called a, a terna. 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 And he gives, with those three candidates, his single recommendation. And he get, brings sends that to Rome to the Congregation of Bishops, which is mm. a, a group in the Roman Curia made of about, I don't know, like 35 or 40 cardinals uh, who are in charge of choosing bishops for... And then other people, even like, you know, maybe Archbishop Shapu, when he becomes a cardinal, he would be in Rome doing things uh, periodically, and he might be a part of this this uh, congregation of bishops. Gotcha. So anyway, the congregation of bishops does their own research, takes these three guys, uh, these Terina, these three candidates, and makes their own recommendation. It might agree or disagree with the apostolic nuncios, uh, and then gives that to Pope Benedict who takes these three names with this recommendation from the congregation and takes it to prayer. So Pope Benedict actually... He actually makes the decision. ...has them in his hand. He has them in his hand uh, and makes the decision himself. And when he makes the decision, he notif- you know the apostolic nuncio is notified, and he the apostolic nuncio will be the one who calls up the candidate, or I don't know, however, if he calls him up, emails him, text messages him, one of the three, I'm sure, or talks Very to him. Very interesting. And says, you know, would you be willing to accept this? And if he says yes, then... They start moving forward. So it's kind of a, it's, and this process takes like six to eight months, which is why they, I, we say it'll be six to eight months before we have a bishop now. Cause now they're, this process for Denver and filling the vacancy now, uh, is just beginning. So very interesting. It's pretty well, but I love the fact that like Pope Benedict actually makes it. And you had a cool story about John Paul about Lustige. Yeah. You should tell that real quick. That's kind of sweet. So yeah. So in 1980 or something like that around those years, uh, John Paul II had one of his most important appointments yet. For Paris, right? For Paris. Archbishop of Paris had retired, and he had to place a new guy in. And uh, this is a huge, huge move. And there's a story told by uh, his secretary, who's now Cardinal Jivish, the Bishop of Krakow, that uh, John Paul II took the two um, two possible candidates, one in his right hand, one in his left hand. He went into his private chapel that night and laid prostrate for the entire night with his arms spread with the two candidates in one his in hands. One in each hand, yeah. And at sunrise, he woke up, came back to Jeevish and handed him. He said, this is our man. And it was Cardinal Lischuze, who is one of the great churchmen of our of the century and of our lifetime. A great friend of John Paul's, but really a, a man who led uh, the church in Paris kind of through this tumultuous 
yeah. uh, time, which which the church in Western Europe mm. is uh, is going through. So it was a kind of a very beautiful and moving thing to think of the Holy Father really praying through some of these assignments. And uh, that's all. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's it's a huge. It makes a big difference. And Lustiger was actually influential for our lives in Denver. Absolutely, our the, our seminary, which we are both or have been a part of. John John just uh, got ordained out of so. Uh, but our seminary is modeled off of a model that Lustiger created. So it's kind of cool. Anyway, so you asked me a question about Philly and yes, Denver. Yes. What was your question? What are the My differences? question was, well, just briefly, what's the difference uh, in the church? Because oh, dude, cause people, could, people could look at this and be like, okay, so he's moving to a new church. This like, is huge. But it's this is a huge, huge, huge move. Yeah, and, and I don't know. I almost feel a little timid talking about this because I, I have a very limited perspective. I grew up in Philadelphia. I moved home from home when I was... 16 and i've just been back in the summers and stuff like that so he ran away from home i ran away from home um and uh no he didn't i didn't run away from home, no. <laughs> but anyway just from my impression and just from talking to people who are involved in the church there and then being in denver obviously being involved here um the culture is just very different even outside the church the east coast has its own feel you know and you 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 get that when you're there People who come to Philadelphia visiting, we're always talking about how rude everybody is. But in Philly, you're not rude. You're just this is the way you talk. You're just to people. Philly. You just you're very direct, you know, right. and you cut to the chase. Uh, and uh, and most people who are in Philly, a lot of people who are in Philly, have family in Philly. Their family was in Philly. Their grandparents are in Philly. They're they you know some set some people came to Philly, immigrants or settlers in that area. And this is all the East Coast is kind of all like this. And a lot of people there are people who have been there for generations. Whereas Denver. The culture is very much made up of people who have, you know, their ancestors might be settlers or they right. moved here themselves like myself or their parents moved here themselves like right. your parents. Right. Um, and so there's just kind of a different culture. Denver's a lot. Colorado just kind of has that, you know, Wild West kind of adventure, outdoor sort of thing. Um, and it's very chill. I mean, when I met Archbishop Shappy for the first time, I went to his house and smoked a cigar on his back porch in my khakis from work in my collared shirt. But if I met the uh, Archbishop of Philadelphia for the first time, it probably would have been in his office in a shirt and tie. Right. Um, right. I mean, it's it's the Phil- church in Philadelphia is very formal. Right. And it's also very there's a lot of history there. Well, it's established. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're a hundred yeah, yeah, so. in Denver. We're 125 years old. Right. I think. Right. Philadelphia is it's one of the earliest, the oldest diocese in the in the country. There's a ton. I mean, he is going to be the ninth archbishop mm-hmm. and the 15th like bishop. Uh, you know, we have two saints in Philadelphia. There's huge institutions in Philadelphia. I mean, you have, think of all the universities. You have Temple, you have Drexel and Villanova and St. Joe's. And there's a lot of schools. There's a lot of hospitals. And it's just a huge thing. But the thing with Philly, which is just in my experience, and this is where I get a little timid, but, but I think it's just a reality. This is what I saw. Um, is that it's a very big church with a lot of Catholics uh, as far as per capita, but there's, there's it's kind of dead. It was always pretty orthodox, pretty faithful to church teaching, relatively speaking, uh, during the during my time growing up, it seemed. But it was there wasn't a lot of life there. People would just kind of show up, go to church on Sunday, um, and that was that was my experience in the parish, uh, in my parish where I went, and and just from my like right now, I go back home, and none of my friends who I grew up with Catholic are really into their faith anymore. Uh, and that's, I go back to my parish at home and, uh, I don't see anybody I know anymore from growing up, you know? So there's kind of a sadness there. Um, whereas in in Denver, things have been crazy. Uh, but there's just, it's there, it's Philly. I mean, when I think of Philadelphia, I think of a huge boat with like, you know, like a huge tanker with like a little rudder on it. You know, there's so many people, there's so many institutions, but there's, uh, the faith and the culture that built this church is kind of dead and gone. 
And there is, there is faith there and there is a beautiful Catholic culture there, but it's a lot smaller than Mm -hmm. the institution, the exteriors. Right. And so even for change to happen, even for things to kind of fires to get lit, they're getting lit and things are happening. And I, I, I I wish in some ways I was there to see more of it because I know it's there from people I know who are there. Um, but, uh, there's a lot of work to do. And then not to mention you have the, the scandals and have the totally rock that church. And there's very little, the trust between the, the people, and, you know, the bishops and the priests have been really hurt. Uh, what we, there's something like 30, 39 or 40 mm-hmm. priests removed from ministry in the last year uh, for various reasons. And that's all another issue. So there's just there's a lot of things the archbishop uh, will be walking into and having to deal with. And uh, we just he just we need to pray for him, you know. Yeah. Uh, and he but he if gosh, if anybody could do a great job, I just I am so thankful uh, for that. He's the God. Right. He's the one because he's great. And he's a 66-year-old man stepping into a major, major uh, task. Mm-hmm. And so, but he said something so great. They said, what did he say? He said, they asked him, they said, did you think about saying no to this or something like that? And he said, yeah, he said, well, you know, when the Pope asks you to do something, you do it. You do you know, it. He's, Absolutely. And, and he's just a great example of obedience uh, yeah. himself. And the beautiful thing, because you could tell in this conference, press conference, the one in Philly, that he was, it was hard for him to move to Denver. And we, and we know him well enough to know it's going to be difficult for him to leave. Right. He, he loves it here. Uh, and he's built so much here and he's, right. he's very much beloved here. Um, but as soon as you could see that it was hard, you know, in 20 seconds later, but he's also saying, but no, no Bishop will love this, this, these people more than I will love. Right. No, right. no, he, no Bishop will give more and love this diocese and this church more than right. I will. And, and honestly, he means it. The guy's, he will. the guy is amazing. He will. He's incredible. And, uh, and, and so- it'll be great for the Philly. It's just crazy because Philly's, a particular, like they have their own seminary, and uh, and as we do, but Philly's always kind of had a different flavor, even amongst the East Coast churches. Like, there's Philly guys, you know, Archbishop yeah. or Archbishop um, Monsignor. Monsignor Glenn, who's the rector of our seminary, would always talk about his experience with Philly priests uh, at the, when he was in seminary, and they just had this great fraternity. They were really tight with each other. Uh, they loved their bishop. There was a real sense of like we're to be Philly. a Philly guy means something, you right, know. Right, uh, they're right. really unified. Um, and, and but there's also kind of a bubble that kind of forms, you know. Right. So he's very Archbishop Shapu. He's a Midwest guy from from Kansas. He's a he's not a diocesan clergy. He was a Franciscan, no. you know. Right, right. So he's kind of an outsider coming into this uh, with a reputation with most people for for what he's done in Denver. So I'm yeah. interested to see how it plays out. It will be interesting. But regardless, this is uh, in many ways this is one of the defining moments in the life of the Church in the United States. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's, it's a lot bigger than just any other bishop moving somewhere. This is it's a big one. Absolutely. Absolutely. The man who has been uh, the voice of uh, truth and of orthodoxy and of faithfulness for many, many years from a small place has now moved into a large stage and with a great task there. But this will project him into the into the world stage in a way that I think in a bigger way needs to be, and that the Lord is blessing this, and He's blessing the church through this kind of tremendous human being. Uh, and so we, it's with deep sadness that we lose him because of our friendship, personal friendship, yeah. and personal love for him. Many cigars and racquetball games, and uh, he's such a loving father to us. But also, uh, so this is kind of a tribute to him, uh, yeah, his podcast, is. and. Uh, and uh, that he he doesn't listen to this. He listened to <laughs> he listened to one of them one time though. He listened to Starlights way back in the day. Who punched Arius way back in the day? But for him, we just tell him we love him and uh, we're supporting him every 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 day after this. And so yeah, and and that's that's why we that's why we uh, bring it up on Catholic stuff. I mean, it's because I, we, I, we were talking about this beforehand, and it really is something I think a lot of Catholics should know about that this is going on because it's it 
it's pretty significant. It Absolutely. Really Absolutely. So God bless you, Archbishop Cheryl Shepew. We will be praying for you, and uh, I think we are long over our, our time, so we will uh, no emails this week, but email us. We will respond. We will. We're falling uh, way behind, but we will respond. And uh, Catholic Stuff You Should Know uh, at, no wait, Catholic Stuff Podcast at gmail.com mm-hmm. on Facebook. Catholic Stuff Podcast. Never on Twitter. We'll see you next week, hopefully. It's becoming a mantra. Hopefully. See you.